Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. This summer, we're walking through the book of Romans, taking a master class from the rich and powerful book of the New Testament. Romans is one of the greatest books of the Bible. It is the essence of the gospel and provides the rich doctrine of our faith. Romans was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, and God has used it to change the hearts of men and ultimately the world. In Romans, we see the impact of our sin, which reveals our deep need for God, and then the importance of living out our faith in Jesus today. Whether a lifelong student of the Bible to a first-time believer, this is a masterclass for everyone. Let's listen in. Uh, Well, good morning. Good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It is so good to be together today, and I'm so thankful for you. Welcome to our here at Franklin Campus. Welcome to our online campus. So glad we could come and worship our great God together. And I'm so glad to be back. I've been on a mission trip, you know, with our church, and we were in Italy and then went to Moldova, and we're serving there. You know, as a church, we started Justice and Mercy International, a nonprofit about 15 years ago, you know, as a church, and to do greater work in Moldova. And we've been working with orphans and vulnerable children there, and it's been amazing. And now we have about 45 full-time staff in Moldova uh, working with thousands of children, and we have social workers and psychologists. And, And when the war came in Ukraine, right, Moldova borders Ukraine, and so we began to look at what do we do with our kids? We have transitional home kids, and we began to look at moving into Italy. A lot of the Ukrainian refugees are coming through Moldova and ending up in Italy. And so that's something we've been working with and working with missionaries there and with churches there. And so we were there in Italy and then went to Moldova uh, with all of our kids and our staff. And it was incredible. So I just want to say thank you, church, because you're praying, you're giving, going and doing mission trips. It matters. And you're seeing lives being changed and transformed. And I love being on that journey with you. It's been an incredible summer. You know, we've got a mission team uh, that just left yesterday to go to the Amazon to do pastor's conferences. We have another mission team leaving Tuesday to go back to Moldova to work with kids there. We've had Beach Week camp with middle school and high school students. We've had Connect camps with elementary and Wonder camp. So many decisions for Christ this summer. And God is at work through you. And I tell you, there's no place in the world I'd rather be than right here serving God with you all. And praise be to God. And welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called Master Class. And we're diving into the book of Romans, which is awesome, right? We're just digging through God's word and God is teaching us and showing us. We've said every great revival in history has come out of this book of Romans. So if you want to study the Bible, no matter where you are spiritually, this book is for you. And today we come to kind of the last section of Romans, okay? So Romans has 16 chapters, but there's really kind of four sections. And we saw the first section, Romans 1 through 3, was about God's wrath. So it was pretty hard, pretty tough, right? Because you got a holy God, sinful man, and God hates sin. And so you see God's wrath. And it's not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles, for all of us. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But then the next section, Romans 4 through 8, was this. It was God's grace. But God's grace. It says, right, for the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, God's Son. So praise be to God, right? So then you see that God's grace. And then the third section, Romans 9 through 11, God's plan. God's plan for Israel, God's plan for Gentiles, God's plan for you, and God's plan for me, and that's salvation through 
Jesus. So we see God's plan. And today we start the last section, so Romans 12 through 16, and it's God's will. How do we live it out, right? When you accept Christ, you don't just immediately go to heaven. That'd be kind of nice, right? You don't have to have to go through the struggles of this world. But God's going, no, 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 no. I have you here for a reason. I have you here for a purpose. And I want you to live out my will in your life. So how do we live out this deep doctrine and theology every single day? And that's what we're going to see here in Romans chapter 12. Now you remember that the apostle Paul's writing to the church in Rome. And the church in Rome was going through some persecution, right? The Roman empire was trying to stomp out Christianity and yet the people stayed faithful. They stayed faithful. They stayed faithful to God and they lived out his will. And it was amazing what happened. It wasn't lost on me that last uh, Sunday I was preaching in Italy in Milan. So I'm preaching in Milan Sunday morning and then Sunday night, the largest evangelical church in Milan. And it was packed and these people were so full of joy. They were worshiping just like us. You know, we were just so excited to be there. And I started thinking back through history. Now we were in this master class series, but you remember in history, you studied probably the Edict of Milan, 313 AD, Constantine writes the Edict of Milan, stopping all the persecution against Christians throughout the Roman Empire and thus making Rome the first Christian empire. He becomes the first king, right, of this Christian empire nation now. Now think about that. The Roman Empire, the most powerful army in the world, trying to stomp out little Christianity at this time. And these people stayed so faithful to God that they transformed the entire Roman Empire. What do you think God could do through us today? What do you think God could do through us as we live out God's will, as we live out God's purpose? God could transform this country. God could transform the entire world, all the countries. He just says, my people, you live it out and watch what I will do. Oh, all glory to him. So, all right, let's go. If you've got a Bible with you, hey, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. If you need a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. Love for you to grab one. If you're online, you go to the Rolling Hills app or if you want to pull the app out. But here's the scripture today. And Romans 12 is awesome. So I hope you guys are ready. So it says, therefore, okay? Anytime you see it, therefore, in the Bible, you say, what's it there for? Well, this is the hinge. It connects all of Romans 1 through 11. So the beautiful doctrine, theology, all that we've been studying, it now turns on this hinge in Romans chapter 12 to become really practical, right? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, don't forget what God's done for you. Don't forget how God's changed your life in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Right? So worship is more than, you know, singing four or five songs and we go, okay, that's the worship set. And now we're on to the teaching. No, worship is our life. Worship's how we live it out. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's, what is that? Will. God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do you know that God has a perfect will for your life? God has a perfect will for your life. God wants you to live it out. God created you for this time in history. God created you to live where you live. God has a perfect will for your life. Then he says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, 
Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each one of you. See, what can happen in Christianity is this, is, is that the more you grow, then sometimes we become like prideful, right? Well, I know a lot. I've studied this. I've been to this. I've done this, you know, and oh, you know, I'm, I'm older. And no, but what Paul's saying is as you mature in your faith, that you should become more humble. <laughs> as you grow spiritually, that you become more about humility. What did Jesus do? Wash the feet of his disciples, right? That's what you and I are beginning to grow. And so he says, don't think of yourself. Don't become conceited. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many form one body and each member belongs to all the other. So he uses this example. He said, you're a part of the church body, the body of Christ. He goes, and just like your physical body, your physical body has many members, right? You've got a hand, you've got a foot, you've got a nose, you've got ears, but all of those parts belong to one body. You don't go, ah, I don't really need this hand, okay? Because I got a foot, I don't need the hand. You're like, no, no, I need my hand, okay? <laughs> my hand's important, I like my hand, okay? Yeah, I, I need my nose, I like my nose, or I, you know, yeah, I like my ears. I, I, those things are important. And he goes, now you're a part of the body of Christ. When you accepted Christ, you become a part of the body. And every member is important. Every member is important. So we are in Christ. Hey, though we are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So when you accept Christ, here's what happens. And we've had a lot of people accept Christ, you know, this summer, ran on Sunday mornings or at camps. When you accept Christ, God places his Holy Spirit in you. And he gives you spiritual gifts. You have spiritual gifts in order to live out your faith and to make a difference in the world. So he lists some of these spiritual gifts. Now there's other gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, some in 1 Peter chapter four. Uh, but here's a few of the gifts, he says. He says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. So prophesying is two things, right? One, it's like foretelling. So, you know, if you go back to the prophets in the Old Testament, they foretold what's gonna come in the future. They were prophets. But prophesying is also foretelling. It means that you're just bold. You know, you like speak truth. You encourage, you like challenge, you know. If that's your gift, use it, right? If it's serving, then serve. And there's a lot of you here who have that gift. It's amazing. You know, you're just like, put me in coach. What do you need? You know, like you need help doing this. You need help setting up. You need help tearing down. You need, I love that. Thank you. If it's serving, serve. If it's teaching, then teach. A lot of you have the gift of teaching. I mean, you could teach preschool or you can teach children or you teach students or you teach men's or you teach women's or you teach a community group. You know, you love it. You go, man, I can't wait to teach because I learned so much when I dive in. He says, if it's teaching, teach. If it's to encourage then give encouragement. A lot of you have the gift of encouragement. I love hanging out with you because you're always like, ah, good job, way to go. I'm like, thank you, that was great. You know, so you wanna be hanging around those people, right? That encouragement gift, he says, use it, encourage people. If it's giving, then give generously. There's a lot of people here. You guys, I mean, you are so generous and I love that. You're like, hey, what's the need? You know, I'll write a check, you know, I'll send it in. I mean, whatever you need, you just, you just have that gift. now. We should do all of these. 
right? As Christ followers, we should serve, we should encourage, we should teach, we should give. But some people just have some of these gifts. If it's to lead, do it diligently. We have a lot of leaders here at Rolling Hills. I mean, you guys are leading at your companies, you're leading at your schools, you're leading in so many ways. He's like, you've got a gift, use it. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Some of you, you have the gift of mercy. I mean, somebody's hurt, you're like immediately there. And then you're going, okay, what do we need to do? Do we need to go visit them? Do we need to get a meal train going? I'll cook a meal. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's amazing. But you look through here and you go, what's my gift? And how do I use that to strengthen the body of Christ? That's God's will for you. And then he gives these short statements, starting at verse nine. He says, love must be sincere, right? Maybe there's some people in your life that are kind of acquaintances that come along and I love you, man, I'll be there for you. And then you're like, where are you? You know, so he's saying, no, your love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. He keeps coming back to this theme, right? Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, right? We know that there's more to this life. We know that eternity is to come. So be joyful in that. Patient in affliction. See, maybe you're going through a hard time today. Hold on, stay strong, stay faithful. God's not finished with your story. God's gonna bring you through it. Be patient with affliction and then faithful in prayer. Faithful in prayer. He says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. You know, open your home. Have people over for dinner, right? You know, have people come and stay. You know, you've, God's given you a home. God's given you an apartment. God's given you a place. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. You're like, uh-oh, it's getting a little harder now. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, people who persecute me, I'm supposed to bless them? No, the world says be angry with them. The world says hold a grudge. The world says get revenge. And he's like, nope, bless them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. He just keeps coming back. Don't be conceited. You maturing spiritually, you growing, be humble. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And look at verse 18, this is powerful. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We have a calling as Christ followers to live at peace. And maybe there's somebody at work and you're just like, oh, they drive me crazy, right? Or maybe there's somebody in your extended family or whatever, but, but you should live at peace with them. Now, I love the caveat there, right? He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. And you're like, man, I've tried. I've tried over and over and again. He goes, but look, as far as it depends on you, you do your best. You be the one to extend peace. You can't control what people do to you, but you can control how you respond. You can control how you respond. Be at peace. He says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. To re- I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And then verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
You overcome evil with good. Don't be overcome by it. You live out your faith. All right, great chapter. Let's break it down. If you've got a worship guide with you, if you want to pull that out, if you want to take some notes today, if you're online, if you want to go to the Rolling Hills app or you're in the room and you don't have the Rolling Hills app, go ahead and download it. And there's a place to fill in some blanks. But this is a powerful chapter for all of us as we see the hinge turning, right? The beautiful doctrine and theology. Now live it out in your life. First of all is this, worship is your life. Worship is your life right? It's, it's more than songs that we sing. It's how you live every single day. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, that's everybody, right? In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is how you worship God, okay? So notice this. We will all worship something, There is a God-shaped hole in every one of us. God made you. He knows he created you. And there's a God-shaped hole. And we're going to worship something with our lives. Do you know every civilization that's ever existed in history has had some form of worship? Then you go back and study it. Everyone, why? Because we know there's something, someone bigger than us, right? And so we're going to worship something. Question is, what do you worship? There's a lot of people in our culture, in our day, in our time, they worship money. And I mean, it is so clear, right? It's like everything, man, if I can just get enough money, if I can get more money, more money, and I'm gonna sacrifice, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get more money because money's gonna protect me. Money's gonna be my salvation in a lot of ways. And you're like, whoa, 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 you're worshiping there at the altar of money. Now, money's not bad. Money can be used to do a lot of good, but man, does it take everything in you? And some people, they worship a sports team. I mean, they travel everywhere. You're like, wow. I mean, they're, they're like fanatics. It, it's, I love sports. You know, I grew up playing sports. I still like sports. But, but you can just see, man, like that is it. And they rise and fall if their team wins. They're so excited if their team loses. They're depressed for like two weeks. And they're like a bear to be around. And you're like, really? They're like 18-year-old kids. You know what I mean? Like at some point, you, know, you just got to go, wait a minute. I mean, they put it in perspective a little bit here, okay? You know, I mean, I'm cheering for my team. But, but come on. You, you just see it, though. Some people worship another person. You know, and you're just like, wow. And I mean, if something happens, they're just, their whole life is wrecked. You're like, hold on. God's like, I want to fill that hole in your life. I want to be the one you worship. You know, I want you to know me, right? The first commandment, no other gods before me. That's what it says, the 10 commandments, right? And when we get this relationship right, it impacts everything else. Now, worship involves sacrifice, right? It involves sacrifice. I mean, people whose God is might, and they're going to sacrifice, man. They work 20-hour days, and they're just like, you're like, man, dude, time out. I mean, it's great. Be a hard worker. Do great. I mean, I want you to make as much money as you possibly can. I want you to do all that. But, but man, get some perspective, right? I mean, people, we, we sacrifice for the things that matter to us. And so that's what he's saying. He says, hey, I want you to live a life where your life radiates to the world that you love God. And sometimes they're sacrificing that. Hey, you're here today. Good job. You sacrificed, right? You could have stayed in bed. The bed monster's trying to hold you down. And you're like, nope, pushing past it. I'm sacrificing. I'm getting to church. I'm watching online, taking notes, right? I'm growing. But it takes sacrifice. You know, you get up in the morning and you're like, ah, so tired. But then you sacrifice. You're like, man, I'm going to grab God's word. I'm going to get my phone. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to read through scripture. I'm going to, before I jump into anything else, 
I'm going to pray. That takes sacrifice. I'm going to get my kids involved. I'm gonna, there are sacrifices in that. But man, that's how you grow. That's how you grow. So if you want to know what you worship, you just look at where you spend your time and your money. <laughs> and there's sometimes people go, I just don't have time for God. My life is so busy, right? I mean, I just, just, I just can't do it. I just got all this stuff. I mean, I'd love to, you know, have a Bible study. I'd love to be in a community group. I'd love to, you know, serve. I'd love to or go on a mission trip one day, but, but man, I just can't, I, I just can't. I just have all this other stuff. And you're like, actually, we all have the same amount of time, <laughs> right? We, we all do, right? It's really just a matter of choice. It's a matter of priority. What do we prioritize in our lives? Because we all have 24 hours a day, right? Seven days a week, 365 days a year. We all have that same amount. It's just coming back to say, listen, I'm gonna start to invest my time in the things that I want to last. Now, I'm gonna do a lot of other stuff, right? There's all these things that I go to and I do, but I'm gonna prioritize the things that are important. Or you spend our money, right? Some people go, oh, I just can't give to God. I just don't have enough money. And I'm kind of thinking, well, everything we have comes from God anyway, right? <laughs> I mean, it's like, where do we put that money? And now we go to concerts, we go to sporting events, right? we got Netflix, we got all these things. And we're like, well, I don't have any money for God. And you're like, well, okay, okay. You know, so, and those things aren't bad, but you just have to start to look at it and go, wait a minute, if I am gonna live out God's will, I've got to start reprioritizing my time and my money, the things in my life, my attention, all those things around the things of God. And none of us are perfect. And we're still living in this world and we're still gonna go to games and we're gonna have fun and we're gonna do these things and it's great and we wanna do things with family, but we don't wanna get caught up just going and doing what the world does and miss the things of God. And that's why he's saying you're called to live a life of worship. So worship is our response. It's our response. And whether it's money, that's our God, or whether it's, you know, this is our God. But if our God is God, our response is to God for who he is and for what he's done in our life. That's why he says, in view of God's mercy, when you think about what God's done for you, when you think about the sacrifice of Jesus, live your life as a living sacrifice for him. That's what God's calling us to do in our lives. Uh, I remember I grew up going to church. Uh, my parents were great. They took me to church, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday nights, okay? It was back in that day, you know, we would go a lot. And I remember having a small group leader in middle school. And, and so if you teach middle school or high school or kids and you think they're all just kind of rolling their eyes and they're not listening to you, or if you're a parent, you're actually getting through and it comes back years later. But I still remember this. My you know, Sunday school teacher, he told us this story. And here he was, he was a cool guy. You know, he had been married for about 10 years and he drove a truck. And in Texas, everybody drove a truck. So it's just still, you know, you drive a truck. But he had one of those trucks back then where we didn't have seatbelt laws. You know, you remember those days? I mean, you probably don't because you're younger than me. But back in my day, we didn't have seatbelt laws. And so they had just like this one row in a truck. There was no console, just one bench seat, right? And so we called them two-headed trucks because when like you were dating somebody or you were in love, they would all you know, kind of switch over. So you had your girlfriend right here, you're driving your truck right here. You know, this was it. This was Texas, okay? So you're following along with people, you're like, hey, look at that, two-headed truck right there, you know, because they're just kind of going along, right? And you got your girlfriend right there. It was, it was great. And uh, so I remember he told us a story. They'd been married 10 years and his wife 
looked over at him one day. They were driving along, and she's sitting over there, and he's sitting here. And she said, I just remember what happened. I remember when we were dating, and, you know, I would just be snuggled up, and you would have your arm around me, and it was so sweet. And we were first married, and, and we were just loving, and we would be driving along. And, and now here we are, and, and you're over there, and I'm over here, and, and you're just driving. And what happened? We used to be so close. And he said, I just kept driving. I looked over and I said, well, who moved? <laughs> it's like, it's like, I'm still driving, you know, so <laughs> just kind of always stuck with me. She's like, okay, yeah, you're right, you know, but that's what can happen, can it? What's up with us? We go, well, I used to feel so close to God. You know, when I first accepted Christ, I just felt like, I mean, he was right there. I just felt so close. And I think sometimes God goes, well, who moved? Right, I mean, like, I'm still here. God's like, I'm still on the throne. I still love you with an everlasting love. And so often we can just kind of drift, 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 drift a little over. But God's going, come on back. I'm right here. Anytime, anytime. And that's when we start to live this life of worship. Oh, I just want to see God every day. Not just on Sunday, but every day, every moment for him. Okay, look at this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. See, there's the world system and then there's God's system. And we gotta be really clear about that, right? There is a worldly system and then there is God's system. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but look at this, be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, okay? That's how you're being transformed. So the pattern of this world is always towards selfishness, that's why he kept talking about don't become conceited, right? Serve others. But it's also toward moral decay. Remember, he's writing the church in Rome, Roman orgies. I mean, just horrible stuff. You go back and read Romans chapter one and you're just like, whoa, it's kind of like the world today. You know, you look at that. But here's the deal. There's a slippery slope with sin. And so you just see it kind of go downhill. And when sometimes we get so immersed in it that we begin to tolerate that. We go, oh, well, that's okay. It's no big deal. And God's going, oh, it's, it's still a big deal, right? Remember God's wrath? I, I don't like sin because I, I know what it does to you. I know what it does to the people around you. So look at this. We should not expect people who are not Christians to act like Christians. This is why your, our world needs Jesus. You know, uh, sometimes we look around at people and you're just going, man, what are they thinking? And you're going, well, they don't know Jesus. They don't. So they're living for the selfishness and they're living for the moral decay. And that's what you see in their lives. Now, I think for all of us, we're made in the image of God. And so what we're seeing in our culture today is finally people are going, okay, I may not be a Christian at all, but I know this is wrong. This has gone too far. We got to stop this, you know, and you see that. But the world needs Jesus. And when Jesus begins to change people's hearts, then all of a sudden, he begins to change people's homes, begins to change people's neighborhoods, begins to change people's culture, begins to change people's country, begins to change the surroundings. That's why we share Jesus. So Christians should not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by Jesus. And guys, this is so important. And it is a challenge for all of us. It is a struggle because the fact is this, we come on Sundays and we dive into God's word and then we you know, serve or we're in a community group and then we spend about three hours, but then we've got 165 hours the rest of the week that's bombarding us with the world. 
And sometimes we start to think kind of that way. We go, oh yeah, right? It's about this, it's about this, it's about this. And that's the slippery slope where you have to guard your mind. You have to watch what comes in here. Because I will tell you, I will tell you this. Whenever an affair happens, it's not a spontaneous decision. When that affair happens, it started right here. And it started watching movies you shouldn't have watched, started going online, started pornography, and next thing you know, right, fantasy started right there. You're playing out this scenario. And you're thinking, oh, this will never happen. This will never happen. This will never, why did that just happen? And I just blew it because it started here. Satan knows it. Satan knows it. You come home from work and you're like, man, it's been a long day. Man, I'm just gonna get some alcohol and just kind of numb the pain. And next thing you know, it's two drinks and it's three drinks and it's four drinks and it's five drinks. And next thing you know, you're just going, whoa, what happened? And it started here. Or one day you blow up, you just rage. And you're going, where did that come from? It was the anger in your mind. It was the holding the grudge. It was playing it out. I can't believe they did that to me. I don't deserve that. I should be number one. What are they thinking? And you run in these scenarios. And next thing you know, one time it just explodes. And God's going, to be like Jesus because <laughs> see that's God's perfect will for you out of 7 billion people in the world guys there's nobody exactly like you God has a plan for you God has a perfect will for you and we can say no to God we can settle for God's good will we can settle for God's pleasing will but I want to tell you if you pursue him and you're walking with him God has a perfect will and some of you are seeing it some of you are living it and some of you are so blessed and you're thinking God is so good to me and I have this joy and this peace and this hope and this purpose you're not perfect but man you're seeing the fruit of walking with the Lord so here's the question here's the question is your life looking more like the pattern of this world or more like Jesus I mean, really, I mean, is it looking more like the pattern of this world is looking more like Jesus? And none of us are perfect. Man, we all have a ways to go, right? But am I growing more like Christ every day? Or people go, man, you just look like everybody else. You're just going along with the world. You're just doing the same things the world does. There's an incredible story in John chapter eight, Jesus is teaching and all of a sudden the religious leaders, they come and they bring this woman caught in the act of adultery. Okay, I don't, there's, probably no more vulnerable place that anybody's ever been in and that place right there and they bust in the hotel room they grab this woman she's grabbed a bed sheet she's they throw her at the feet of Jesus and they're doing this to trap Jesus right they say Jesus what should we do with her and they're picking up stones they're picking up rocks all around and they say the old testament says we should stone her she should die and they know, like if Jesus says, yeah, that's what the Old Testament says, go ahead, then Jesus is kind of given that command and he's gonna go to jail because of the Roman rule that they couldn't kill anybody. And so, man, they think they got him. But then if he says, oh, it's no big deal, sin's no big deal, do whatever you want to, that's what everybody else is doing, right? They're sleeping around, whatever else, go ahead, that's fine. Then he's going, whoa, you're going against the Old Testament law. What does Jesus do? 
Jesus just goes, <laughs> he who is without sin cast the first stone. And it says that they begin to drop their rocks and walk away, the oldest to the youngest. Because the oldest realized, whoo, man, I've needed a lot of grace in my life. I need a lot of hope in my life, a lot of peace. And Jesus, in just this incredible compassion, reaches down, he just picks this woman up, pulls her up by the hand, and he said, woman, where are those who condemn you? And he said, they're all gone. He said, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. Now that you've had this encounter with Jesus, don't go back to the pattern of this world. I don't care if everybody's doing it. Don't do it. Uh, you, you have too much value. I have a perfect will for you. I have a purpose for you. Trust me. The best is still to come for you and for us. All right, look at this one. Every Christian has a spiritual gift. See, as you live out God's will in your life, God calls you to be a part of the body of Christ. And God put us together for a reason and for a purpose, right? We've all made mistakes, we're all broken, but we're all in need of the grace of God. But God is healing us and redeeming us and restoring us and God's using us. So we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Then remember, God intentionally gives his children different spiritual gifts. Remember reading those gifts, right? And serving and teaching. And, and sometimes we look around and we go, oh, I just wish I had that gift. There's a lot of times I'm like, oh, I wish I could sing because I would love to have the gift of leading worship. I'd love to be on the worship team and, and, and I audition every year. I never make it. I don't know why I keep trying, uh, maybe one day, but I just love to sing. I love to worship. I love to sing and, and yet I'm terrible and that's okay because there's people who are way better than me and praise the Lord. I love our worship team. They're incredible. I love our tech team and people have these gifts but we all need each other. And we all have different, you have gifts that God has given you. So here's the thing. Every spiritual gift is important in the body of Christ. Everyone. And if you're not using that gift, then the body of Christ is not built the way it should be, right? Uh, when we were in Italy, there was a guy, they were kind of middle-aged, this couple, they would come in every kind of afternoon and they would just cook. For all the kids, we did this day camp from eight in the morning to 10, I mean, from eight in the morning out yeah, to six at night, 10 hours. And, and they would come in and they would cook and they would cook and they cooked a different pasta every day. I love Italy. It's awesome, you know? And so here they were. And I said to the guy, I go, thank you for doing this. He goes, well, I'm not really a great cook. He goes, my wife is a great cook. And with other people in the church, he goes, but what I realized is when I gave my life to Christ, he goes, I kept trying to figure out my gift. And then I realized it was service. And so whenever they asked me to do something, I'm like, sure. So I could come in, I could cut up, you know, vegetables, I could cut up fruit, I could do whatever. And he goes, and I love it. And he goes, and being here this week, it's just brought so much joy in my life and thank you. And I was like, found his gift and he's just using it. I love that, I love that. See, we're responsible to use the gifts God has given us to further his kingdom. So you have a gift. What is that gift? Use that gift and make a difference. I've loved this summer watching so many adults use their gifts, so many people at whether it's camps or mission trips or on Sunday mornings, parking lot, greeters, ushers, just everybody. And we have this joy of serving the Lord. You know, today you've got this core team sign up, right? And this isn't you're signing up for life. This is like, hey, maybe I can use my gift. Maybe there's something and I'm gonna try something and see if it works. And if it doesn't, I'll do something else. But 
We talk about worship one hour, serve one hour. You know, worship 8, 9, 30, 11, but serve one of the other hours. Your kids go twice, they get Bible study twice. How great is that? I mean, you know, awesome. But just finding a place, finding a place, or whatever gift that is. We have people online, you know, people on the online campus who host Bible studies. And they're just like, I can make a difference. Now look at this one. As Christ followers, our call is to love. Our call is to love. Love must be sincere. That's what the verse says right there. Romans 12, 9. Love must be sincere. Paul becomes very practical. How do you live out your Christian faith? Right? We don't just go up on a mountain and go, mm, you know, right? There's times that you connect with the Lord. There's times out in nature. There's times for spiritual retreats. But on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus came back down to the valley. Jesus came back down to ministry. And so for us, it ought to look like we're living out our faith in our marriage, with our kids, right? In our schools, in our workplaces, in our everyday life. It's practical. Paul makes these 30 short statements to show Christians how to live. I saved you the time from counting them. But right there, he's just these short statements. And it's really like, here's how you live it out. Here's how you live it out. Don't repay evil with evil. Don't get caught up. Don't bring revenge. Don't let bitterness. Don't do these things. Like live out this love. Live out this grace. Live it out in your life. As Christ followers, we should be growing in our love for God and for others. So are you growing? <laughs> As you look at your life, are you growing? Are you falling more in love with God? Are you falling more in love with your spouse? Are you falling more in love with your community around you? Are you falling in love and just saying, God, use me, bless them. I can be excited when something good happens in their life. I, I can cheer them on. I can bless and encourage. Jesus said, this is the most important commandment, right? Love God and love others. And then look, a Christian should not be lacking in zeal but always keep their spiritual fervor. Keep your passion, keep your joy, because God is using you. God is using you. You know, I went to Moldova, we're from Italy, went over to Moldova to see our staff team. I haven't been to Moldova in like three years. Uh, we, as a church, started when Rolling Hills had 15 people. We did our first mission trip to Moldova, the poorest, smallest country in the former Soviet Union, all these children in orphanages, state-run orphanages. And I've been every year, sometimes twice a year, from 2003 to 2019. But then because of COVID and because of the war, we haven't been able to send American teams. We haven't been able to go over as a church. We've been sending a ton of money and support and encouragement. But I was like, I got to get there. I got to check on them. And we've got a team going next week. But being there, it was amazing. Because church, <laughs> you've been faithful all these years. And you've been pouring into your own kids. You've been pouring into all the kids in our community, all the people right here. But you've also been giving and investing in Moldova. And when I was there, you know, I wanted to see this kid, Ely. This kid, Ely, who grew up in the orphanage. And we saw him when he was about six years old. His dad had beat his mom so bad. He ended up in prison and Ely ended up in an orphanage. And from six years old when we came with a team and he didn't really talk and at seven years old he didn't really talk and then eight years old he kind of started to open up and and then he said you know you Americans are the first ones who ever believed in me <laughs> I didn't know really my life really mattered at all until you guys came and 
At the age of 10, he gave his life to Christ and started serving. And you just saw a change in this kid who was mad and angry. And, and I was there. I didn't get a chance to see him and, because I was only there like two and a half days. I was with our staff and everything else. But, but then at 7 in the morning, I'm going to the airport at Keystown. And I'm getting, on, getting ready to check my bags. And then this kid shows up. You know, here he is, Ely. <laughs> He's 26 now. <laughs> He's a leader in his church He's serving. He's got an incredible job. He has so much joy. It's life change, you guys. Or I think about Tanya. She's right there in the middle. We met her in an orphanage too. Alina is our national director over there. And to see her smile, to see her joy, it's life change. You know, I just think about the times that our staff over there just continues to work. I met with our team of 45. They're tired. Inflation in Moldova is 30%. I mean, these guys sacrificed for these. We have a thousand plus orphans that are being sponsored. We prayed together. We talked together, social workers, nurses, psychologists, all meeting together and praying for what God would do through them. And it was amazing to just huddle together and then, you know, to bless them and encourage them on your behalf. And then you could see Mama Jen. Mama Jen's right there in the middle in the stripes. During COVID, you know, Mama Jen was sponsoring about 10 kids there in Moldova, And during COVID, she's a corporate attorney here in Franklin. And she just said, you know what? They need help. So she sold everything (laughs) and moved to Moldova. (laughs) She's living there right now. (laughs) I said, do you like it? She goes, I love it. She goes, we have family dinner night every Tuesday night. And all my kids come and I cook dinner for them. And she goes, God's at work. God's at work. I just think these kids, you see life change. You bought a van over COVID too, to take medical supplies. They also used that van to take and supply refugees from Ukraine that were coming into Moldova. This is a picture of the 48 kids that are in our transitional living program. We have four homes, church, two for girls, two for boys. And these kids, 15, 16, 17 years old, are having a hope and a future because of you. Kids like Lena, (laughs) Lena, who we met in the orphanage, was our first kid in our transitional home. Now she's married to Hyon, and they have two kids, Lois and Luca. (laughs) It's generational. It's the impact. That's what God wants to do through you. As you live out his will, it impacts not only you, it impacts your children, it impacts your grandchildren, it impacts the people around you, it impacts the church, it impacts people in other countries. God is using you. Stay faithful and live it out every day. You know, this morning, I, I wanna say thank you and I wanna point us to Jesus. I wanna invite you to take out the elements as we have a chance to share communion together. You know, Jesus on the night he was betrayed brought his disciples together and, and he said, let me show you the sacrifice that I'm gonna make for you. The sacrifice that Jesus made for you. I wanna invite you to pull out the elements. If you need them, just raise your hand. We'll have some ushers come and bring those to you. Um, if you're online, you can go in the kitchen and get some bread or some crackers, some grape juice, some wine. But I want you to take this out and think about this. <laughs> Christ's body broken for you, personal. Not just for everybody, but for you. That God has a perfect will for your life. Are you following him? Are you trusting him? Are you worshiping him? 
take and eat in remembrance of him. And after supper, he took the cup. He said, this is the new covenant. Before you were under the old covenant, you sinned, you messed up, you were out. But there's a new covenant of grace. Neither do I condemn you. But go and sin no more. But don't carry that guilt and that shame. There is grace. There is grace for you today. There is grace for you today. Take a drink in remembrance of him. For when you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today, but God knows. And God's here. And maybe right now it's just a time of recommitment. God, draw me back to you. (laughs) I know I've drifted, but God, bring me back. I want to feel close to you again. I I want to grow in my love for you again. Maybe for you, there's, there's a place in your mind that Satan's getting a foothold and you know it. And today you just confess. You go, God, I need help. I need help. God, right now I confess that to you. God, I don't want to go down that slippery slope. I don't want to conform to the pattern of this world. God, I want to be yours. So I give it to you. Maybe today there's a, there's a place in your life you just need to love. You need to love. You need to love. Or maybe today you just need to experience God's love for you. So Father, we come with a heart of worship. We come to dedicate our lives anew and afresh to you, holy God. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. And we respond back to you right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Share this episode with friends and family in your life. Make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you are interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.